Welcome to David Pays My Rent, a podcast that documents the lengths one woman will go to live rent-free in New York City. Who is this trailblazer, you might ask? It is I, your fearless and shameless host, and to my roommate Ben, just the person who lives 10 feet away who refuses to take out the trash. Okay, even people who don't live in New York City know that living in New York is a financial death wish. To live here, you need to have deep pockets and a willingness to sacrifice basic human necessities for an apartment within walking distance of a subway stop. So naturally, when I saw the opportunity to live rent-free, I jumped at it. How did this opportunity present itself to me, you might ask? Enter David. David is my brother-in-law, and he is, no offense to the rest of my family, my favorite relative. It's not just because he's a total mensch who makes my sister more patient and kind and meow, 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 but it's because unbeknownst to him, he's about to pay my rent for three months. Back in 2016, David suggested that I make a podcast, and I immediately said no. I mean, who has the time? What would I say? And who the fuck would listen to me? Then a year later, he mentioned it again, and when I promptly said no, he upped the ante with this promise. And full disclosure, the audio on here is total garbage, but you're just going to have to stick with it. Just talk loudly into this, please. David, this is your money. Hi, David. I didn't want Nancy to sell it into a podcast. As a result of that, I'm willing to pay her three months' worth of rent for at least four podcast shows. However, I am a true believer that her genius will uh, become public knowledge. And at that point, her shows uh, will extend many, many, many months until she's brought on to David Letterman. Um, the shows need to be at least 28 minutes in length. 28 minutes, okay. 28 minutes in length, and the topics are not like they're up to Nancy because she has her own genius and she could talk about whatever she wants. Thank you. No, thank you, David. So screw it. I don't care if zero people listen to this. So long as I can come up with 112 minutes of content, I'm in business. So we're going to have some special guests talking about the quadfecta of renting an apartment. That means we've got neighbors, landlords, tenants, and roommates all coming on here to talk about what it's like to rent an apartment in New York City. It's going to be four episodes of unbridled, unskilled, and utterly unedited podcast glory. Stick around, and if your name is David, I'll see you on the other side with my rent check. It's Nancy! Ooh-hoo. You got the Nancy out with your favorite host. She's the one with the greatest most. Oh, it's Nancy! Ooh-hoo. Oh, yeah, it's Nancy! Ooh-hoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In case it wasn't clear, yes, that is David. Thank you for making up a jingle about my name and giving me my theme music. <laughs> hey, fans of David Pays My Rent. So before jumping into this episode of the pod, you should know that this project began a long, long time ago in 2016. As with many millennial creative pursuits, it was inexplicably abandoned sometime in 2018. But as I went to clean out my laptop and sell it on Craigslist, I found the first episode in all its glory sitting on my computer. I took a lesson, and I think this thing might have some legs. But probably very short legs. 
like my own, regardless. Anyway, as a student of improv, I have learned the importance of committing to the bit, and I am never one to leave a yes and opportunity on the table. So I spent the better part of the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 and 21 resurrecting this gem from the ashes of its neglected state, and I am ready to present to you in its entirety, David Pays My Rent. So please enjoy this series replete with outdated cultural references and jokes. Enjoy. All right. The time is upon us to get started. So I'm going to set the scene for you and give you a sense of what David's going to be paying for at the end of all of this. I live in Brooklyn, in Fort Greene, a beautiful tree-lined neighborhood filled with gentrifiers galore. And I live on a lovely block in the ugliest and most rundown building. It is a three-story walk-up. I live on the second floor. And now's the perfect time to introduce a third character to this tale who is very important, and that is my roommate, Ben. Ben and I go back all the way to childhood. We've known each other for a very long time. Can't even tell you the first time we met. But in this story, he is a sort of passive and involuntary participant in this entire charade. So I finally sat him down and asked him a few questions, and this is how our conversation started. Can I use my radio voice? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Movie Phone. That was good. Thank you. Say something else in your radio voice. I like tacos. <laughs> I want tacos. Don't we all? Okay, so it goes on like that for about 10 minutes. I will not. I will spare you. But Ben is here to help me introduce the headliner of this episode, which is our downstairs neighbors. Now, if the TV show girls got one thing right about living in New York City, it's that everyone has a layered For those of you who didn't watch Girls, first, respect. Second, Laird is the stand-in for the ubiquitous Brooklyn downstairs neighbor. The Brooklyn neighbor is inexplicably home. Sorry, there's like a motorcycle going by and the window's open and it's too nice of a day to not keep it open. So you're just going to deal with it. But back to what I was saying. The Brooklyn neighbor is inexplicably home at weird times of day, smokes a ton of weed, and probably has intuited more information about you by sheer observation than you would care to admit. Here's the thing, though, about New York. Most people don't really know their neighbors. It took over a year for Ben to even encounter our downstairs neighbors. I mean, in New Orleans, I knew my across-the-street neighbors, Boo and Sheila, very well. They would sell brownies door-to-door every Friday. And in Philly, to my left, I had the self-appointed block captain named Bob. And to my right, I had a loving couple who I lovingly referred to as the Thumbs. But here, I have these two guys my age downstairs who I know very little about. Enter Alex and Craig. So... Disclaimer, for the first few months I lived here, my only interactions with them were strictly hellos in the stairwell. There was an incident on Halloween when Alex came bounding up the stairs to ask me if I thought there was a ghost in the building because the lights... Oh, someone's horn. Okay, he thought there was a ghost in the building because the lights were flickering on and off. Turns out we just have very sensitive light bulbs that turn off when they get too hot. But you get the picture. I really didn't know them all that well. So I decided one night to take it upon myself to walk all of 10 feet downstairs with my microphone and record a little friendly neighborly chat and get to know them. 
So this, let me just get situated. Okay. Um, first, please introduce yourselves. I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Craig. How are you? Uh, we both live together here in uh, Brooklyn, Fort Greene. Yep. Alex and Craig are my downstairs neighbors. Um, so this podcast is called David Pays My Rent. And it's because my brother-in-law, David, told me he'd pay my rent if I made a podcast. Wow. That's really, really awesome, actually. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. Can David do that for us? Let's, I don't know. We can call him up. Let, let's, see, let's put let's, in an RFP. Let's see, let's see where the, you know, if, uh, if a Joe Rogan experience revenue generating yeah, potential Rogan. starts here. You know? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. That guy's an idiot. I love Joe Rogan. Uh, just like I, just, I like the, I like. I mean, I think that after he had Mel Gibson he's as a guest, he's an idiot. He's a fucking moron, Joe Rogan. I'm oh, sorry. I hate that troglodyte. Who's Joe Rogan? He used to be Fear on Factor? Fear Factor, you know. All right, we'll give you 20 grand if you go ahead and just, like, you know, put your face in this batch of tarantulas. Yeah, so he And was... now he has a podcast and makes a fortune. So he was the host of uh, Fear Factor, and he was an actor and still is a comedian who does relatively well in the touring circuits and in Los Angeles. He's spearheaded a lot of comedians' careers, like Ari Shafir, yeah. who's... You know, an awesome person too, but he's also really now famous for the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, which is a a very very popular YouTube show that features comedians, entertainers, and people just talking to this. Okay, thing. so you get the picture. These two guys can go off on a tangent for days, but let's first set some ground rules for the interview. Sensible. There people, are two off other. limits topics here. One, our landlord of questionable There are integrity. three or four off-limit topics. Well, what about the people he gets to help as supers? That's something we can't discuss. Yeah, that's one thing we can discuss, but there are four. I would say three to four. One is, I don't want to discuss the egg incident, all right? I think it was bad all around, and I was just trying to do the right thing, and I was paranoid, all right, because I was in, I was, you know, whatever. Number two uh, is, yes, I don't want to discuss Danny Sione's seated past, because I am keeping it all on file to someday extort him. Number three, I don't want to discuss our personal jobs, careers, last names, address, etc. And number four, uh, I just don't want to, yeah, a repeat of number three, underlined, italicized, and bold. And number five, a repeat of number one, the spider egg incident. Correct. There we go. Got it. Okay, Ben. In your words, describe the spider egg incident. God, when was that? Let's call it early fall 2017. There I was, sitting at home, minding my own business. As you must. And clomp, 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 clomp up the stairs. I hear someone coming. And I always know when it's Nancy because she makes a very distinctive sound when she's coming up the stairs. You have a distinctive sound too. We all do. Everyone comes up the stairs the way they do. I know that the people who live above us, a soft touch. Nancy, you know when she's coming. So anyways, somebody comes running up the stairs, and I know it's not Nancy, and then I hear a knock on the door, I'm like, ah, shit. What is this going to be? And I open the door, and there's Alex, and he, he kind of throws his head in the door and says, hey, have you, have you looked out your window at all today? No, Alex, I just got home. Why would I do that? He's like, well, well, you should take a look, because I've been running around all day, I think, all this rain has made the mosquito population in the area bloom. 
And because of that, we're now seeing tons and tons of spiders. And I think what's happening is we're currently on the brink of a massive spider infestation because because I was I was sitting around outside and I looked in my grill to you know to grill this morning and I saw hundreds of tiny little white dots and I looked it up on the online I looked up on the internet and I saw that it looked a lot like spiders eggs like the nest for the, that they build for their eggs when they want to hatch and so I think there are literally millions of spiders about to take over the entire building and I've been running around telling everyone trying to spray I bought all this very nice like biodegradable like organic spider killer like insects insecticide and I've been spraying it all over the building all day and I just want to make sure that you take a look and see if there's any on your fire escape or anything outside or anything like that I'm like all right fine whatever and then he leaves and and I I sit back down. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll humor him. I go and I look, and there are indeed tiny little white dots all over the place, all over the fire escape, in the screen, in the on the inside of the screen, on the outside of the screen, in those in the weird, hard to reach places, like everywhere. And I start looking. And I'm like, I hate spiders. Spiders suck. And I will freely admit that he got me worked up enough that I was like, okay, maybe this isn't a complete. This isn't a complete joke. So then Nancy comes home, savior of the story, takes one look at the situation after be, after hearing the story, cuts one in half and says, this is styrofoam. And that's exactly what it was. It was, uh, what had happened was the, uh, the beanbag chair for our upstairs neighbor had burst overnight. And before he had a chance to clean it up, a large windstorm had, had swept through the area, blowing thousands of tiny styrofoam beanbag balls all over the place. And, uh, yeah, they were not spider's eggs after all. So they're not all paranoid weirdos. <laughs> I mean... Alex and Craig have a lot of substance to them. They clearly have a very deep and abiding friendship. So I wanted to pick out a few moments of common ground that I found with them in my interview. So for example, Alex and I have a shared love of musical theater. I graduated a year early, was the commencement speaker a year early, and finished my graduate degree in one we, year. We, we went to a college that teaches how to think outside the box. What was your commencement speech about? Stephen Sondheim. Ooh, I love Stephen Sondheim. I'm, I'm like a, I'm gonna go you know, out on a limb here and say like, and I don't mean this with any pretension. I'm like a scholar on St the works of Stephen Sondheim. Okay, then proceeds to get very pretentious and very scholarly. So I will spare you. But another thing that I really liked was Alex and Craig provide a lot of hot takes on some recent and also not as recent pop culture phenomena. Is the dress? Black and blue, or is it gold and white, friends? These are the questions we have All, to ask. That is true. Is the dress, what color is that damn dress? What color is the dress? What color is that dress? This is, this is what we When that came know. out, I was really, really like, you know. It's, it's I thing. felt like I was an idiot. I didn't understand. The What's world. the meaning of Stonehenge? Oh, that's a great. It's what do you think one? the meaning of Stonehenge is? I have no I think idea. It's a, it's a bunch it's, of rocks. It's a great Yilvis song. It's a know? great Yilvis song. Best Yilvis song is Massachusetts, though. Definitely. Although I do love What Does the Fox Say as well. Those guys are great. The, one of them looks like Jon Snow from Thrones. It's a great. It, they're great. They're funny. It's funny. Yeah. Americans don't get them. On that subject, Nancy, have you ever heard... I'm going to ask you this question, because 
I feel like most people who hear the song, I don't know how they don't hear it. So you know the song Feels for the, from this past summer? Calvin yes. Harris, Katy Perry. Okay, did you ever think that perhaps they were saying, don't be afraid to catch fish? <laughs> In case you are wondering, no, I never thought that. Um, but it's also nice to know that Alex and Craig have a softer side. Alex writes amazing poems on the subway. Yeah, I, I write found poetry. Can you read me a poem? Yeah, let me see if I have them in my phone. Very cool shit. Yeah, what I do is I write found poetry. Um, okay, here's one. Yeah, this is great. The A from Canal to Hoyt, 605 on 510. So every word in this poem was u- found on an ad or on a sign or on a poster. Something missing makes a difference. We don't do our part to follow a dream. Detained by our problems. Left on an edge. Seeing what we shouldn't see. Traveling together, paying what we owe. Deliciously settling to not feeling well. Seeing something and remaining neutral. Great, great. Uh, Let me see if I can find another here. That's beautiful. Thank you. And that is just the tip of the iceberg of what I found out. If you are curious to hear Craig and Alex's views on everything from feminism to construction to local politics, I highly encourage you to go to the episode details page on this website because they had a lot to say. But I think what I loved most is they really are just have a beautiful friendship and they know so much about each other. They respect each other and they think critically about the world around them. And the other thing I have in common with them is we all agree that David should pay my rent. What's his name again? David. 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 Pay the lady. Pay the lady. Will you? Pay this amazing woman. Oh my God. You guys are too sweet. Thank you. you Did you know that the average woman will use 10,000 tampons in her life? Most of us don't even know what's in our feminine products. But some of us don't really care. For those of you who really couldn't give a shit, there's a product for you. It's called Snatch. It's a monthly subscription service that delivers tampons to your door and nobody knows what's in them. The New York Times calls it toxic shock on your doorstep. WebMD calls it probably cancer. I call it the right product for me. Visit www.bigsnatch.co and use the code DAVIDPAYS for 15% off your first order. Snatch. The vagina is a self-cleaning organ. Let it do its work. Welcome back to David Pays My Rent. In part one of this episode, we learned a little bit about my neighbors and my living experience in Brooklyn. But now I'm going to take us over to the island of Manhattan, where my friends Mitch and Avery will tell the tale of an egregious act of neighborly indecency. In a world where one couple leaves an empty pizza box on display for the entire floor, what if I told you there was a box that rattled an entire If you don't put that damn box away, I swear to God, I oughta. Yes, this is a very dramatic tale. A tale in which one person, or maybe dog, who knows, a tale in which one entity refuses to abide by a very special set 
of rules. Rules that can only exist in New York City. I mean, the first day we got in there, it was mentioned to us as if we didn't already know this, that when living in New York City, there is a certain, quote, vertical vertical etiquette etiquette that we abide by. You're just good to your neighbor because you live so close to them. I bought a lot of rugs after that comment, by the way. Okay, so vertical etiquette. Why is that important? It's important to mention that Mitch and Avery live in a very famous apartment complex called Stytown, which has tens of buildings, so it houses thousands of people, which means that naturally they have a lot of neighbors from the top, bottom, left, right, and on their floor. They're surrounded by people. So when you're living in New York, you have to be respectful of a lot of people all the time. And what they found was there was one person on their floor who was doing just the opposite. You see the first time the box in its iconic position. Nothing really is said. I'm sure everybody on the floor who saw it sort of felt instinctively this is absurd for all the obvious reasons. Take a picture of it. We go on about our day. The box in question is an empty, medium to small-sized, used pizza box. Let that sink in. That means that somebody is ordering pizza, eating their dinner, recognizing that the box is smelly and not something they want in their apartment, walking five feet to the garbage chute, and then not... (laughs) putting it in the garbage chute. What kind of psychopath are we dealing with here? What's more is this person is a repeat offender. The box shows up another time a week later, and then finally a third time. Third time it happens. Take a picture of it. We start to wonder, all right, A, ridiculous. B, us being the young three dudes like, who would you peg stereotypically as the most irresponsible, disrespectful people in society? It's gotta be us. us. So we're concerned that we have this image as being the pizza box leavers. So I walk out one day, the day of, I believe now, the third box, and I see the box, and I'm like, oh my god, the box. Again. And so... The captain for Ecletica, this older gentleman that lives on our floor, comes out, and I instantly see the fire in his eyes, and I sort of jump to just defend myself immediately, because I just know. Okay, so new character alert. We've got Jim, the elderly neighbor on the ninth floor, who Mitch and Avery have met a few times, and I think it's important to take a break here to talk about why Jim is such a special guy in the context of neighbors and specifically neighbors in New York City. This is Jim, by the way. And we should sidebar. Jim is the greatest guy on our floor. Yeah. Nicest guy. I think we've had maybe four run-ins with Jim over the course of a year and a half, and he treats us like we're his sons. Yeah. He loves that he knows our name. 
I've seen him probably two other times there, and he always asks about Mitch and Danny, right? How are they doing? <laughs> I love it. It is, I think, a very kind and awesome way oh, to act. For sure. And having lived my life 20 plus years in Manhattan, that act of neighborliness with people that live on your floor that you live closer to five families on this floor than you would ever live next to in a suburban home. It's so distant. So incredibly distant. And I, in every apartment that I've been to, even the first one I was the youngest, I just remember it being like the same interaction. But he is the friendliest I've ever interacted Or he's Kaiser Sosa. Or it's his box. Those are some pretty crazy accusations, and I will not lend any validity to them. But I think the sideboard... <laughs> board. Those are some crazy allocations. Those are some crazy accusations, and I will not lend any validity to them. Because I kind of like Jim in this story. But I think the side show... Fuck. <laughs> Sidebar. Those are some pretty wild accusations from Mitch and Avery, and I will not lend any validity to them. But I think the sidebar... Fuck! Those are some pretty wild accusations coming from Avery and Mitch about Jim, and I will not lend any validity to them. But I do think this sidebar is important, because what it tells us about neighborly relationships in New York City is that... These people who are strangers, who you don't know well, can really change your day. The same way that I know very little about Alex and Craig, but I do know that Alex likes Merrily We Roll Along, makes me think differently about them. And while Mitch and Avery don't know much about Jim, besides the fact that he's a really nice older guy who remembers their names, it still has an effect on their day, and it still changes the way we think about the people we surround ourselves with. Which is part of what makes the tale of the pizza box goblin, which I am now calling this person, so royally fucked up. I mean, who could do that to Jim, to Mitch, to Avery? What neighbor would treat their fellow neighbors like literal garbage? And so now the story takes a bit of a comedic term with accusations flying left and right. And I'll let Mitch and Avery take it from here, but just a warning, Jim does not look so good in this part of the story. So I'm like, Jim, I know you're thinking, this was not us. I'll show you, and the way I prove it to him is, I've been taking pictures of this crazy like act and sending it to Mitch and Danny. I've shown the text. Who are great, by the way. Who are great. So he's like, <laughs> I'm like, can you, I go full in, like, can you believe this? And so he immediately... Malarkey. Yeah. Oh. I'm like, you, you're you mad? Look at this. I'm mad. Then... And then we, you guys high-fived. Yeah. We're like, oh, Let's you go. know what he did? He said, I bet you it's 9F or something. He said some other... No, we're... Yeah. He said, I bet you it's like 9F. He just makes a prejudgment on 9F. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I don't know anything about anyone on this floor, but like, so 
It was 9H, 9H. And then I'll tell you the next time that I saw the box. This is the fourth time now. This is the fourth box. Saw it, then 9H comes out. The box is gone at this point. It's been like a day or so. I bring up the box. There's the new family on the floor. Lovely couple with a cute little daughter. They told me that they opened their door one night. That night that the pizza box was there and then I thought it left. And the pizza box was leaning up against their home door. (laughs) So that when they opened the door, the box fell in. Because, and here's what I think, honestly what happened was the box happened again from another apartment, not us, not 9H, Jim not saw Jim, thought Jim it saw it, thought it was the 9Hers, put the box next to the 9H. Yeah, so that's okay. where we're at from like a, what's happened so far, and we haven't but seen But that is the end of the plot. That right? is the end, that's what we know. Oh Jim, so sweet and so vindictive at the same time, but... You know what? More power to him. And unfortunately, this is a great unsolved mystery. We don't know who is leaving the pizza box. But as Mitch and Avery told me, since that day, there has never been a pizza box on the ninth floor. And would you look at that? By my clock, I have 28 minutes on the dot. Episode one is complete. Hallelujah. Just Three more episodes to go until my rent gets paid. So a little quick recap. What did we learn in this episode? Get to know your neighbors. They're very nice people who deserve respect and lead very full lives outside of the quick hellos you might exchange in the hallway. Um, They can really change your day and make living in New York just a little bit smaller. Okay, thank you to my guests this episode We've got Ben, Alex, Craig, Mitch, and Avery. I promise we'll get some women on here sometime. Um, But this podcast is brought to you by Snatched. Go to bigsnatch.co and use the code DAVIDPAYS for 15% off your first order. (laughs) But all I can say is one out of four down, David, I'm looking at you for that big payday. See you next time. It's Nancy, ooh, ooh. you got the Nancy out with your favorite host, she's the one with the greatest most, oh, it's Nancy, ooh, ooh. oh, yeah, it's Nancy, ooh, ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>